go a moment to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And I love the, the fact that God is showing how He does not only move in a Sunday service. He'll move in your home if you pray for folk. He'll move when you go to folks' homes. Yes. If you read the book of Acts, you will see how the apostles went from home to home. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Paul went from house to house. It was not just coming to church and celebrating the Lord. It was going from home to home and sharing about the Lord. Yes. And within five years, the entire city uh, knew about Jesus. Yes. Within 21 years, all of Asia Minor knew about Jesus. Yes. So that is, that is part of discipleship. Amen. Amen. It's not just uh, celebrating with a couple of people in a local church. It's about taking the good news to our city. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. This is the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the last thing he said before he was taken up. So if you are, let's say, 95 years old, and you're in bed, and you have your entire family with you, and the Lord has shown you it's your time to go with him, and you'll have like five minutes left to talk to your family, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, man, I really wish I could work some more overtime? I don't think your job is going to be important at that moment. I think you're going to say, I love you, remember, behave, uh, you know, be good to mama, be good to grandma. You're going to say things that you think are important. This was the last thing that Jesus said. So I think it's important. Amen? So he says this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Wow. 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 So everything you've heard, all the testimonies, all the encouragements, it's based on something that's very dear to God's heart. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I thank you that you open up the eyes of our understanding that we would be able to comprehend, Lord, what you're saying to us. We're not asking that you bless what we're doing. We ask that you give us revelation that we might enter in and do what you're blessing. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Open up the eyes of our understanding and we'll give you the glory, the honor and the praise for it, it, Lord God. Teach us now, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A disciple, simply put... Uh, in the Greek uh, original language, is one who follows the teachings of Jesus. So it's not just to know about God. You have to follow the teachings. So that's what a disciple is. And one of the things that blew me away when I started studying discipleship first time around is how important it was in God's heart to be a disciple. And as I continue to research it, it's very simple but very pronounced things that disciples did. First and foremost, if you look at Mark chapter 1 verse 16, Mark chapter 1 verse 16 through 18, it says, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they, their response was, they immediately left their nets and followed him. So, 
you could see that there's a call from God to you. Some people say, I found the Lord in 1988. No, the Lord found you. You responded to His call. But He was seeking you out. You weren't seeking God out. You were partying. You were having a good time. You were waiting till Friday so you could get drunk and be all weekend drunk. You were partying. You were in your own world. The least thing you were thinking about was Almighty God. He was thinking about you. And it's interesting, he walked to the Sea of Galilee. So today you might feel a tug in your heart, it's God all along, he's been after you. Say to your neighbor, God's been after you for a while now. See, and he calls out to us, make no mistake about it, that's how it begins. We don't have enough sense to come to God. Really, we're so involved in ourselves and in our own selfish little world, we don't realize that the author of the scripture, uh, the, the creator of heaven and earth loves you, has made a way for you so that you could fellowship with him. He wants to walk with you and journey with you in your life. And he wants to connect you to something greater than your current problem, your current situation. He wants to connect you to a, a, a legacy that's been ongoing for several thousand years. He wants to work with you and through you. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, again the New Living Translation, One day, as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, He went up on the mountainside and He sat down, and His disciples gathered around Him, and He began to teach them. Notice, the disciples were hanging out with Jesus. Say to your neighbor, the disciples disciples. hang out with their mentor. See, the world knows that. Business knows that. That's why they call in uh, their employees and their leaders to conferences, retreats. There's this one organization that really got called on the mat just the other day because they spent, um, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to do a retreat. Now, I don't know about you, but when we do our retreats, we we might go to Tuscarora Inn. We may go to a camp. Uh, last, Last year we went to the... Children's Aid Society. It was nice. We had a great time. We fellowshiped. It was very profound. But these guys decided they wanted wanted to do a retreat. You know where? In Hawaii. All expense paid. Food. Muffins costing $4 a pop. Can I go? Yeah, yeah, if you work for that company. But they, they, it, it was really, it became a bad thing. But the principle I'm trying to say, it's a good thing to bring the leaders together, to bring the staff together, because you ha- you have time to teach them strategies that will help them to make sales or to increase your business or to increase your productivity. This is a thing the world understands. But it's not, it didn't begin with the Fortune 500 companies. Jesus was doing this several thousand years ago. When he wanted to prepare a group of disciples that would take the message after he was gone, one of the things he did was he would sit down and eat with them. He had them walk with him. When he did miracles, they were there watching him. That's part of a discipleship process. And this is why it's not enough for you to just show up to church on Easter. Because you're not going to get mentored correctly if you just show up to church on Easter. Well, I did my due diligence. I went to church on Easter. And then to top it off, I went to church on Christmas also. You know, mom or dad bothered me enough, so I went over there and I took care of business. It's not enough. 
Because it's not about you showing up and we see your face there, we see your body sitting in a chair. That's not what this is about. If you want to get better in your business, you better work some overtime. Mm -hmm. But not just work and produce, work by going to school and learn your business in a greater way. You have to go to school, you have to prepare. That's part of discipleship. As an individual, me, myself, not as Pastor Victor, but as Victor the employee, I go and I study consistently, uh, constantly. I, I even, last year, I got a certificate. I was the employee of the year in, in a particular sector. I was very happy, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the important thing is not that I have a little piece of paper on the wall. The important thing was, is that I became better because I learned some things while I was there taking that course. It, it increased me. It, it enhanced my ability to serve my constituency. Right? And they didn't force me to do it. I did it because I knew I needed it. Say to your neighbor, you need to study. You need to advance. We all need mentoring. And you need, to, you need to be mentored according to the genre of work that you do. And in the kingdom of God, you need to be mentored by people that know more than you in the kingdom. What I love about mentorship, it's almost like a spiritual father, spiritual mother type of deal. But this is interesting. You can spiritually father or spiritually mother a person that's older than you in the natural. God might be using you and you're 25 years old and you're mentoring 40-year-old people. And they're calling you daddy and mommy in the kingdom of God. You see, so I really appreciate that about mentorship. It doesn't limit the type of mentors you can have. Another thing I learned about mentorship is when you honor and value something that somebody else has who's been in it longer than you, you're respecting them and you're honoring them. So they look at it and say, wow, he values what I have. She values what I have. So let me give her all that I have. Yes. So you get a, a, you get a transference of knowledge, of wisdom, and even of influence and connections. Amen. Because my mentors, I'm able to go to them, even though they're teaching me, and I, need, I can tap into their stuff. I can tap into their networks, mm -hmm. into the people that they know. Yes. Sometimes I ask them, can you connect me with somebody over here? Because you know them and I don't. So there's no problem. You, you are my mentee, so I have no problem sending you. So I go over there. I say, listen, I'm, going in his, I'm coming in his name. He says, yeah, no problem. Come in. Uh, here, here's whatever you need. Not that I earned it. Not that I earned it because I never worked that relationship. He or she did. My mentor did. But I get the benefits of the mentoring process. Amen, amen, amen. See, and most people are ignorant of the power of mentorship. Yeah. Yeah, I can do it on my own. I don't need to learn. I don't need to do this. That's a very foolish thing. Yes, very, very foolish. The older you get, the more you realize that your answer is hidden in a human body somewhere. Yes, Amen. that's true. True. Your answer is hidden in a community somewhere. Yes. So in terms of discipleship, Jesus was very clear. You want to be my, my disciple? Follow me. See, he never forced them. He said, come and follow me. And he kept on walking. He'd look back. If they were there, he said, okay, no problem. You're honoring me. I will give you what I have. You see, and this is what happens in the kingdom of God. We know so much, we don't bother following fathers and mothers in the kingdom. We don't follow our pastor. We don't follow our leaders. We don't respect any of this. We just do whatever we need to do. Then when we're slammed against the wall somewhere hurting, we want to blame God. We want to blame the church. We want to blame the pastor. We want to blame the elders and everything. But it was you all along that didn't follow the process. And you thought you knew more. You thought you were more powerful. You thought they're too old. They can't teach me anything. Let me tell you something. Some of the things I forgot, you don't know yet. I learned that from a very, very beautiful elderly lady that told me that. She told me, Victor, what I forgot you don't know yet. So shut up, sit down and learn. I went, wow. 
So now I'm going to play. I can say that too. Because that's what mentors can say. They went through it first. They're not better than you. They just got there first. They just learned it first. So what you do is you grab the mentorship and you honor the people and you honor the process. What happens is it becomes part of your life. It becomes part of your f life philosophy. And in the kingdom of God, it becomes your, your theological philosophy when, when, when you, you're able to get that extract. And it's never one person that mentors you. God will always love you enough to put two, three, four, five wonderful people in your midst. The majority of people are just acquaintances. They really have nothing to give you. Most people are actually, you have to be careful. I tell my children this, you have to put filters in your ears and you have to put filters in your eyes. And you also have to put a filter in your mouth too. Yeah. But when you're learning, you have to put a filter in your ears and you have to put a filter in your eyes. The reason why is because our brain doesn't know the difference between lie or truth. If you uh, allow things unfettered to enter into your mind, you become a mess. You don't know what to believe and your brain doesn't know what to believe. Your brain was created by Almighty God. It's a very powerful tool. And when God made man, He gave him... Uh, uh, an ability to see beyond just this brain, uh, two, whatever, two pound brain thing here. It's connected to the soul and to your spirit. I don't know how it is, but it is. So what happens is, is as things come inside, the brain equates it with fact. And it takes it as fact. Somebody tells you you're stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. Your brain takes it and say, oh, I'm, uh, I guess, you know, the boss said I'm stupid. The boss said, I can't do anything. So for the rest of your life, your brain will repeat to you what you allowed to get in. So it is our responsibility, not the world's responsibility, not mommy and daddy's responsibility, because ultimately you're the one that's going to pay the repercussions, not other people. You have to be very careful as to what you allow to enter into your eye gates and your ear gates. It's vital because your, your, your brain is going to imprint that on itself. And some of you right now get affected every single time you go through a similar experience when you were a child or when you were in school and somebody did something to you or, or somebody told you something. It keeps on coming back. Well, I'm afraid of this. Why? I don't know. Well, if you dig deep enough, you'll realize something happened at an earlier time in your life and it, it continually repeats the same feelings, the same attitudes, the same emotions over and over again. So, you know, I have good news for you today. You can change the programming in your brain. I have good news for you. You don't have to live that way for the rest of your life. Fearing any little thing, or, uh, you know, uh, uh, being upset all the time. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, you know, getting, you know, allow, allowing anger to get the best of you. You don't have to allow that. Amen. You don't have to allow that. It says we can renew our mind. The Bible says Romans 12, 2, to renew our minds. Amen. And the way we renew our minds is to tell ourselves new things. To, to reject the old and to receive the new. Receive the word of God. The word of the Lord. God told Joshua this. So Joshua, meditate on my word every day. Day and night, meditate on my word. If you do that, you will make your own way prosperous. Notice what he did not say. He did not say, if you meditate on my word and honor my word, I will make you uh, prosperous. He said, you'll make your own way prosperous. I have the way for you to become prosperous beyond your wildest dreams. Assess what you meditate all day long and change whatever you need to change. Somebody once said, you make your bed, you need to lie on it. Partially true. If I don't like my bed, I can change my bed. Amen. I didn't like my hard bed, so my wife and I, we bought one of those nice 
you know, uh, what do you call them things? Sleep numbers. So sometimes I'm in a mood at 65. Other times I'm in an 80 mood. The other day I was in a 45 mood. I change my bed all the time. <laughs> the point is that you don't have to, for the rest of your life, live in that same situation. Just renew your mind. Take the Word of God every day. And watch what happens first. Your brain doesn't know the difference between true and lies, so it already received a certain amount of instructions. So when you first start renewing the mind, your, your brain will fight you every step of the way. You've, your brain will say, no, that's a lie. You believe this. You have to continually say to yourself, the Word of God, you need to uh, meditate on it. Meditate means to repeat it over and over and think about it. God told Joshua, think about my word all, all day long, repeat it to yourself all day long, and you will make your way prosperous. And one of the ways, to, the most important way to make your way prosperous starts from within. If I tell you, for example, you are a messy. What's a messy? Somebody that doesn't like to clean their home, somebody that's you know, just constantly just, just uh, disorganized, right? You're a messy. And you go, well, I'm going to change. And you go and you clean your house. Do you know that you're going to make it messy again? You know why? Because the messy is not out there. The messy is in here. What you need to do is renew your mind and the messy will be gone. You need to start telling yourself, Father, I thank you that I'm organized. The first law of the universe is order and organization. Heaven is organized. Somebody says it's chaotic. No, it's organized. If the sun decides to turn off, we're dead. It's organized and it's consistent. You could trust heaven. You could trust the stars. They're always in the same place. Right? Even, even the, the guys in the old days would travel in the seas by the stars. They're always there in the same place. Order and organization. You say, this, I'm or orderly, I'm organized. Maybe your house is a mess. Your brain is saying, huh, hello, you're messy. No, I'm organized in the name of Jesus. And you say that to yourself 60, 90 days, 120 days, 6 months you say it to yourself. Say it to yourself a full year. You know what happened? Little by little, your house will get into order. Why? Because you get into order here and then you get order out there. You have to get it here in order to get it there. Amen. And that's part of the mentorship process. You start, you know, you get saved, you're born again, now you're a child of the kingdom, but you're still smoking. You know, frankly, I don't care. Keep on smoking. Keep on smoking. You know, you, you, you got it. But you're in the kingdom now. Now what's going to happen? Now as you read the word, now as you start praying, the Holy Spirit's going to start working on you. See, and you said, Father, I thank you that I can let this thing go. Meanwhile, oh man, I blew it again. Don't worry about it. Just keep on saying the word to yourself. Keep on praying. Say, Father, I thank you that I can overcome this thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, what will happen is, little by little, you're going to break that thing. God might break it immediately or it might take six months. You understand? So uh, this is a fact. When you first come into the kingdom, you still have your old mindsets. You still have your old habits. You still talk the same way that you used to talk. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know thing, you know, the language keeps on coming out of you. Aren't you a Christian? Yeah, I am. I don't know what's that. I, I, yeah. But that's all right because you're changing little by little. And after a while, before you didn't care, you just say it. I mean, you had a sailor language. Any sailors here? No? Good. Amen. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just joking. But little by little, your, your, your language starts becoming kingdom language. You start receiving that. And part of that is mentorship. You know, the guys that walk with me, they don't talk that way in front of me. Why? Because they respect me, right? But after a while, they're not talking that way anymore, not because they respect me, but because they are changing on the inside. But it starts with mentorship. You see, so that's one of the very important parts of discipleship. Minister Lewis mentioned that there was five, six, seven people at, at Sunday school today, and the place should be packed. 
It's not to feed his ego that he's saying that. It's because he understands that the more you hear the Word of God, and the more you put the Word of God in your heart, and the more verses you learn about your situation, the more material you're giving the Holy Spirit to help you to change. If I, know, if I know 10 verses, if I've memorized it to heart, I have 10 verses worth of material that the Holy Spirit can use to help me in that process of changing. Amen. If I learn 20 verses, if I learn 30 verses, if I learn 40 verses, now I'm really starting to develop a resource bag in my own spirit man that I can repeat to myself. See, sometimes uh, when I work during the week at the place that I manage, somebody tells me something really foolish. And my first attitude is, you know, you know who, does, who does he think he's talking to? You know, I don't like that. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to take care of him anymore. I'm going to... But then I realized the Holy Spirit works on me. I said, no, son, you cannot operate that way. I said, all right, all right, all right. Well, the Holy Spirit, help me to understand how to work with this person. Because they're a pain in the neck. Lord, you know they're a pain in the neck, right? Right, Lord? Come on. At least let me... No, seriously, some people you have to love even though you, don't, you can't stand them. Yeah? I can love you and I might not like you. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit helps me. He gives me wisdom and strategy for these people. And I find I come back at them and, and after a while God turns their heart, gives me great grace and favor with them. Amen. Amen. So one of the first things I realized um, in, in my mentorship as I was learning from my mentors is being grateful. Amen. Say to your neighbor, be grateful. See, one of the things that's going to happen as you come into the kingdom of God is most people today, I don't know why, why it is, it's, it's, I guess it's the kingdom of darkness, the Adamic nature. We don't like each other. We want to be like somebody else. We don't want to be us. Yeah, I want to be that singer. I want to be there. I want, I want to have her body. You know, for you ladies. I want to have her body. No, you don't. That, that lady isn't real. She doesn't eat. She eats like one kernel of corn a day. And she inhales water. She doesn't even drink it. That's not real. She's miserable. Behind the scenes. They, you know, all of what you see on TV is a lie. Reality show? No. Unreality show. Not, not unreality. Ridiculous show. Insanity show. So we need to realize that when we first come into the kingdom of God, one of the first things God is going to teach you is to love yourself is to appreciate yourself. Not in a hedonistic way. Not in a way where you now you think you're better than anybody else. But you're going to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. So you learn to love what God has done in you and what God will do through you. So you learn to appreciate yourself. I don't know. I, I, I haven't... I, I haven't experienced so many conversations with so many people that don't appreciate who they are. You're either, you know... You, you, you don't have the, 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 the color you like, the size you like, the width you like. Your feet are too big, you're too hairy, you don't have enough hair. You, you, you don't want brown eyes, you want blue eyes. Or, or you, you have blue eyes, but you wanted green eyes. You know, you, 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 your hair's dead, you wanted some curls. You have too many curls, you want it dead. I, I don't get it. You don't like the color of your hair. Every week you have a different color. I'm confused every time I see you. You know, the, the, We have to learn to appreciate who we are. And that comes as a revelation of God to you. One of the first things He'll show you among the many as your mentor, as your disciple, is He loves you the way He made you. 
You're needed the way He made you. I, I, I heard, it hurts me. I, 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 so many people are not trying to change their bodies to look like somebody else. And at the end of the day, they don't realize it wasn't their body that was a problem. The problem was all along inside of them. So after they go through all these surgeries, after they go through all this pain, because there's pain in that, they'll realize it really wasn't worth it. My God. So the first thing God wants to do is He wants to change your way of thinking. Say to your neighbor, it's time to change your way of thinking. Say to your neighbor, it's time to love yourself. The way God made you. Because you're special. You're unique. You're not a copy. You're an original. Amen. It's a good place to praise the Lord right there. Hallelujah. The second thing he wants to show you is that he connects you into a beautiful family. See, God loves you too much to leave you alone. See... There are some animals that once they birth their young, their offspring, they leave them there. For example, the turtle. He will put some eggs somewhere, and he's gone. That's it. Once he puts the eggs, he buries it. He says, sayonara. It was good knowing you. No, in his case, it was good carrying you. That's it. They're gone. And so, they, uh, luckily, they have enough sense when they're born... They, they go up, they go, better get to the water, better get to the water, gotta get to the water, gotta get to the water. Because <laughs> meanwhile, they're birds looking. They go, uh-huh. Mm, there I got breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. <laughs> and meanwhile, the turtles are going, gotta get to the water, gotta get to the water. <laughs> Parents are not there. But, but God loves us enough to give us earthly representatives of His love. He gives us spiritual dads and He gives us spiritual moms. Praise God. I remember when I came to the Lord at age 15, I knew nothing about the kingdom of God. Nothing. I knew nothing about it. Just the fact that when I would show up at the Catholic Church, there was a very sad man crucified on the cross. His name was Jesus. And when you go into church, you have to put holy water on the front of your head. That's all I knew. Really, that's it. Make sure I got the water. And it was, that was, I mean, it was precious. I, I, I respected that, man. For when I put that on, I went, I feel good now. <laughs> Got me some water on my forehead. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew, uh, that much I knew, that it, it represented something special. What it was, I had no idea. And you'd be surprised. You assume people know about the Bible. They know nothing. And what they do know is wrong. That's all I knew. But when I came to the church, one of the beautiful things that happened to me, they took me in and they started mentoring me. Didn't sound exciting. Didn't sound like, wow, I would go to that church, man, I, my hair stand on it. Wow, it's so much excitement. We had church today. No, some of that stuff was kind of boring. They would sit me down, open up the Word, look what the Word of God says. This is what salvation is. This, and, and go on, he was with prayers, he was here who the Holy Spirit is. And they started teaching me line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and I learned. And then when I was alone at age 15, I remember being in my room and the enemy attacked me right there. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, and I was all alone. My parents weren't there. The pastor wasn't there. We didn't have cell phones at that time. 1970, no. When did I go? 1974. 1974. 
So somewhere around 1974, 1975, I was attacked. A thing came in that room. I don't know what it was. It says, you know, why are you living? This, going to that, your parents going to this, all that stuff. It's not even worth it. Why don't you just take your life? Literally, it's like if I was there, I'm hearing this thing. I'm going, <coughs> so I'm, I'm in my room. Suddenly, I'm very afraid. So what's going on? I don't want to take my life. What's going on here? Just really has such a battle. But then what they taught me in Sunday school, I remembered it, and I got on my knees quick. I said, no, God, you love me. I know it. You don't want me to lose my life. You have a purpose for me, a destiny. I just started praying. And suddenly, and suddenly, that thing just came off of me. Came right off of me. And I just, I got happy. I, I, I was not depressed. I didn't know what happened. I, I got delivered from a situation, a potentially dangerous situation, because I, I became dangerous enough to know enough that when I was alone, I could get the victory all by myself. Amen. Me, and, me and God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we were a majority. Right. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So second thing you learn is the issue about being part of a family. Hallelujah. Yeah, the family's imperfect. Some people told me, uh, not one, I've heard this from, but I don't go to church because there are hypocrites in there. Um, you know, there are many cliches, but that's one of the ones I hate the most. Because please, let's be honest with ourselves. Can we all say that we all have issues? Yes, yes we do. Yep, we do. That's right. You don't have any issues? I, 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 can, I can open up the altar early for you if you like. For lying. Because the Bible said lies will not enter heaven. We all have issues. That's an issue, exactly. It's one of the biggest ones. <laughs> we all have issues. So when you come to a church, you're going to look around... Because that's what we normally do. We love to look around. And if we find that he or she has a problem, we feel better about ourselves. Because they're no better than us. It's a big mistake. Because God holds us accountable, not for what he or she does, but what we do. See, so it's not about he's a hypocrite or she's a liar and they're living a double life. See, that's, that's on them. What about you and Almighty God? Amen. I don't want to grieve my Heavenly Father. I love Him too much. So when I'm in a situation where I blow it, Right now, my spirit is sensitized enough that I repent. I said, God, forgive me. I blew it. I just blew this. You know, I'm not going to make any excuses about it. I just plain blew it. One time, my manager told me this. Uh, I apologized to the board for something that I, a mistake I, I made. And I, I saw it as a mistake. And Monday morning, I wrote an email. This and this happened over the weekend. I want to apologize. I take full responsibility. Whatever you guys need to do, I'm fine with it. Whether it be suspending me or firing me. I mean, I went there. I sung that song. Whatever you need to do, you go for it. My manager was the first one to respond. He says, uh, Victor, uh, this self-mutilation thing, I don't know if it's good. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take that. I don't think it's necessary. Just say this happened and, you know, just keep on walking. And I responded to him. I said, no, I, I want to take responsibility for it. You know, the board told me, he says, no problem, no big deal. It's okay, it's fine. But if I wouldn't have said something, that's not the way they would respond to me. I know it for a fact. I know it for a fact. They would have hauled me off on that carpet, man. They would have let me have it. I would have been written up. Might have been suspended for a couple of days. Put on notice. Put me on the first page of the Daily News. Get me arrested. 39, you know, I mean, the whole thing. But I, I take responsibility for me. One of my mentors told me this. When you get better, the whole world seems to get better. Because it's true. Because now you're seeing it through a different set of eyes. 
It's not what happens to you that counts. It's how you respond to what happens to you that counts. And part of the responding is knowing how to respond by revelation, a, a new set of orders and instructions. And part of that comes from belonging in the family of God. God connects you to His universal family. You now belong to the family of God. But He connects you also to a local family so you could be mentored with the other imperfect folk. Because you're going to find your mentors are also imperfect. They all have attitudes too. Sometimes they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes the hair isn't done the right way that morning. They get a bad hair day. Sometimes they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I find this. Many times we honor our earthly bosses more than we honor the people in the kingdom of God. Because we'll get offended at our bosses, but we won't quit our jobs. Because we need the money. But yet the first time we're corrected in the church setting, we'll leave the church. Well, nobody's going to talk to me that way. Bless God, I'm, I'll go to another church. Problem is, is it's not the correction that offended you. It's something inside of you that gets offended over and over that you need correcting. It's a, a, wrong, adjust, a wrong assessment of yourself. You might have a low self-esteem. Because if I have a high self-esteem and they correct me, I'll say, you know, you're right. I was wrong. Let me correct the action. They're not attacking me. It's an action they're asking me to correct for my betterment. But if I get angry every time somebody corrects me, the attitude problem really is in here. It's an it, it's a, it's a image problem that I have. You don't have to say amen. I, practically nobody's saying amen today. They're looking at me with the malocchio, the evil eye right now. But i got to tell you the truth anyhow. See, it, if you can be corrected, you're going to be great. If you can't be corrected, you'll never be promoted. You'll never get ahead in God. You'll never get ahead in business. So we might as well learn how to take criticism constructively and not take it as an attack. Oh, I think I'm meddling right now. You used to see some of the, way, some of the people looking at me right now. Let me tell you something. You're going to try to hurt me today? I got a police officer right now. He'll protect me. Don't mess with me. I'll arrest you this afternoon. Off duty, man. He's off duty. Yeah, right. No, but in reality, we, we have many times uh, an attitude that doesn't allow ourselves to be adjusted. And that's what happens in the house of the Lord. We get correct, uh, corrected and we grow. Another thing we learn is how to operate the principles of God in His kingdom. Because the Lord knows that you're going to go through issues. You're going to go through pain. Say, say pain with me. Pain. As you grow in Christ, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience disillusionment. You're going to experience hurt. You're going to experience wounds. So we need to learn how to operate the principles of God, the principles of unity. How many know I could do a lot more with two or three people at my back than doing it all alone? I'd rather do 10% of all my heart with all my strength and have another you know, group of guys doing their 100% but just getting 10% done. We have 10 guys that do 10% of the job with all their heart, we'll get it accomplished. But if I have to do 100% all the time, I'm going to fall short a lot of times. And big business knows that. Church community also knows that. That we all have something to give. So the principle is not that I have to do everything here. The principle is, let me do what I do the best way I can. Let me train myself up the best way I can for your benefit, for the community's benefit, for my children's benefit. Amen. It's hard work. I have to sacrifice myself. But in terms of the kingdom of God, the more I, I come into unity with the purposes of God in my life and into unity with you, I realize I can accomplish a lot more. One thing I learned about unity, 
Unity does not mean that God creates clones. Unity does not mean that I have to do the exact same thing that you do. On the contrary, unity is understanding that we all have diverse giftings, that we have diverse abilities, and guess what? I also learned that unity means being able to disagree with you on one thing and yet continue to walk with you on another, on the main core principles. Yeah. You know where that God taught me that the most? In my marriage. Because I disagree with my wife probably on, I don't know, maybe 65% of the stuff. But yet we've learned to, we don't argue, we never argue. What we have is intense fellowship. And after a bout of intense fellowship, yeah, intense fellowship, right. Really intense fellowship. And after a bout of really intense fellowship, we agree to disagree on this, and yet we keep on, then we'll go have some tea. Or go out, you know, and have a dinner. We've learned that. In the, in the old days, if she didn't agree with me, I'd get angry. I would fight her. I'd walk out the house. Steaming. Really, you could, you could cook an egg in my head. <laughs> a woman. Lord, that woman. Fix her up. Yeah, because she was never right. I was always right. Well, you, you know that. I was never wrong. Never. Never. Natasha, never. But I, I grew. I, I grew and now I realize... I find that she is an incredible resource of wisdom, an incredible resource that if I pay attention, I may not like the way she phrases it sometimes, because she won't speak like I do. She refuses to speak the way I do. She has to do it her own way. So I learned that. All right, fine. Speak the way you do. Let me have it the way you have it. And let me then interpret it. See, I'll, I'll open up my ear gate long enough. It's a good point. All right, you have a better point. Let's, let's do it that way. And I find now she's right most of the time. So I either accept it into my philosophy or she just has something totally brand new that I like. I just accept it. I said, well, let's do it that way. I learned that since we're married, it's not two people try to get their own way. We're all on the same side. So married folk, understand that. You're not winning and she's not winning. You're both winning. So we talk about finances. I don't hide anything regarding that. We talk about what I want to do. If I'm going to go somewhere, I'll say, listen, you call me as many times as you want. You know, just don't call me Larry, Harry, Curly, or Mo. But anytime, as many times as you want to, you call me. It's no problem. You want to come with me? Fine. You don't want to come with me? Fine. And we have that relationship. Now we've been married 34 years. Amen. And I find that to be married 34 years, you better, you better walk in the principles of unity. So I find... And of course, I said all that without her being here. So she just walked in. So I said, I'm go with that. Yeah. Of course, she'll ask you, what were you saying about me later on? It's on tape, baby. Don't worry. You can hear it on www.calvaryny.org. But the truth of the matter is the same way in the kingdom of God. If I walk in principles of unity, I might not agree with what my sister says. I might not agree on a particular thing she wants to implement in her department, but I'm going to let her do it her way. Amen. Then she's responsible for the, the fruit of it, the benefit of it. Yeah. And later on, she'll talk, this is what we did, this is, maybe this didn't work, but we're going to try it later on. Amen, go for it. Yeah. I don't have to do things my way all the time in the kingdom of God. So I learn how to walk with people even though I, don't, uh, even though I disagree in certain things. That's part of discipleship. That's part of growing in the kingdom of God. It'll help you in your marriage. It'll help you in business. Because God knows that people we, we, we just can't get along with in, in, at work. Uh, at least me. That's me. Anybody here? Do you work with somebody you don't get along with? Yeah. Wow. Somebody went. 
Somebody lifted up the leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the bottom line is, is that God helps us to navigate throughout these things. And you learn that right in the local house. Because God loves us enough to connect us with a family. Amen. Amen. Do you love this family? Yes. I love this family. I love being with this family. Yes. I love fellowshipping with this family. I love working and serving with this family. Amen. And we're growing. And we're growing. So last week, one, one of the sisters came and shared with me something very important. I listened. You know, good point. I'm going to add that to my philosophy. I really appreciated the input. I didn't see it at all. You, you know, we have blindsiders. What do you call them things? Blind, not blindfolds, but the, the, you know the, the horses, they have something called blinders. Blinders, thank you. Cabestro. We have cabestros. Big ones. Really big ones. <laughs> so there's sometimes things come at us. We don't catch it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit decides not to give it to us by revelation. He decides not to give it to us by a dream. He decides to deposit it in one of our brothers or sisters in the kingdom, right? And then share it that way because He loves us. Amen. So if I see you, I'm already seeing the love of God to me. I'm going to say it again because that one even hit me. That, that wasn't on my notes. That was, if I see you, I'm already seeing the love of God being expressed to me. Amen. Wow. That's, wow. So I have to honor that. I have to honor you. And honoring you, I'm honoring Jesus. Why do I know that to be true? Because Jesus said himself, if you give water even to one of these little ones, it's like if you're doing it to me. If you visit, in the if you visit them in the hospital, it's like if you're doing it to me. If you visit them in prison, it's like you're visiting me. He takes it personal. So the way I relate to you, the way I honor you, the way I respect you or disrespect you, Jesus takes that very personally. And lastly for today, my time is up. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to I wanna, I wanna marinate in this. I want to stew in this for a while. So I'm not going to finish it today. But I'm going to conclude now. That is, as we honor God, remember that we honor God to the degree that we honor the Lord Jesus. Because God said, I will come myself, God in the flesh. I will make myself available to them for their benefit because I love them. And the reason why, and I say this not for the old timers, the ones that have been here for a long time, I say this to the newcomers. The mystery of the cross is profound, but in a nutshell, in the book of Genesis, God created man and he said, Man, I make you the steward. I make you responsible. I make you the manager here on earth. Whatever happens on the earth realm is your responsibility. You're the manager. You're in charge. I make you the steward over the earth realm. Amen. When Adam blew it and gave up his authority to the enemy, he was right to be able to give it away because he was in charge. Yes. Well, why God didn't stop it? Because God put in a man in charge. So a man has to fix it. Problem is, every man that was born from Adam was born in sin. Amen. It had to be a perfect representative mm -hmm. of mankind in order to fix it. Amen. But there was none. So God says, okay, I can't go in there and intervene as God because I put man in charge. Because God holds his own word at a very high standing. He holds his word above his name. So the problem is, when God establishes law, God himself submits to the very law that he establishes. Right? So God himself couldn't 
fix it from heaven, man had to fix it. So God says, since there isn't a man that's perfect, that, that is sinless, he says, I will become man and I'll fix it as a man. Amen. So when Christ was born, he's God, but he was also man. In his earthly realm, he lived perfectly. He died on the cross illegally because he was innocent, but he didn't die for him. He died for you and for me. And so the mistake that had been done in the first garden was fixed in the last garden. The, the mistake that the first Adam made, the last Adam corrected it. So in Christ, now we once again have good relationship with the Heavenly Father. We're no longer strangers or aliens. Now we're fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. So our response to Jesus, God looks at it. So how are you responding to Jesus? Are you honoring the Lord Jesus? How is your walk with Him? Have you received them in your heart? Have, has, have you received the gift? Because it's a gift, by the way. It's not something you earn. You cannot earn your salvation. It's a gift. It was already paid for. All you have to do is accept the gift. Come Christmas time. How do you receive your gifts? When, when somebody hands you a box with a nice bow, and they go, here's for you. Do you do like you do in the kingdom? No, I can't accept it. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. No, you simply accept it and you say, thank you. I am grateful for this. Even though if you own it, it's, it's one of these ties with a lot of things like that. You know, you say, thank you. I've always wanted one of these. But you're grateful because, you know, it's, somebody said it's the thought that counts. Well, they thought about me. So you accept it. You don't work for it. You don't go, oh, that's a great gift. Wow, I'm so happy. Thank you very much. How much do I owe you? Who does that? If you do that, you are a fool. Yeah, that yeah, well, not only cancel the blessing, that person's going to be offended at you. They're going to say, no, don't, don't offend me like that. It's a gift. Same thing. When Jesus died on the cross. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He says, to all who have received them, God gives the power to become sons of God. So it's not a matter of, oh man, I've got to accept Jesus, I've got to come to church. No, no, no. You don't understand. When you receive Jesus, you're actually getting involved in a business transaction mm -hmm. where you are now being translated from one kingdom into another kingdom. Where now papers have already been drafted and signed that whoever agrees with this automatically becomes a child of God. Amen. That's a legal... Uh, yeah, there was a document because Jesus signed it in his own blood. It's a covenant, a pact. It's legal. When we receive Jesus, we legally become children of God. And I don't have to feel emotional about it. It just is. It's a fact. I'm a Nazario. I don't have to be emotional about it. I'm always a Nazario. If you look at my birth certificate, it says Nazario. So if you call me Rodriguez, as nice a name as it might be, I'm going to tell you, dude, you're wrong. I'm Nazario. No, you're Rodriguez. Nazario. I'll fight with you all day long, and then I'll prove to you legally I have the document. I don't have to get emotional about it. I don't have to fight about it. I don't have to speak tongues about it. No, honestly, some people, you know, that to prove their Christianity, no, I'm a Christian. No, you don't have to do any of that. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have, yeah, I don't have to scream. I don't have to pray. I don't have to. I am who I am. I'm a child of God. The enemy comes, you're nothing. Oh, you know what I'm I'm a child of God. There's a legal document in the heavenlies. God declared it. God settled it in heaven. And that is it. I'm a child of God. I'm sealed by the Spirit of God. I'm sealed unto that day. 
I don't have to worry about it. I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm a child of God. I have His authority. Amen. I have His Spirit. He's my daddy. I can call Him daddy. I don't care who gets offended. Amen. So I, I rejoice in that. So during the day, I remind myself that. I walk this just, thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. Thank you that you're Lord. Thank you that you're my heavenly Father. I walk in this, sometimes people catch me. The other day, a Christian, ah, you don't, uh, 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 sorry, I was just praying. And I was, I was praising God. It's a beautiful day. Lord, I'm so grateful for this day. Father, thank you that you walk with me. Holy Spirit, thank you. I pray that you give me wisdom this day because I got issues on the job. And I do that. And, I, and it's, it's, there's no, I have no issue with that. I do that with joy. I do that with uh, a sense of knowing. I'm with my daddy. I'm, I'm conversing. I'm communing with daddy, with Abba. Amen. Praise God. So how is your relationship? Can you talk to Jesus that way? So this is my recommendation today. Don't leave this place. Somebody said, don't leave home without it. <clears throat> I said, don't leave this place without Jesus. If your relationship isn't secure, get secure. Because the only protection we have here on earth, we're not so big and bad that we could defeat the devil on our own. Years ago, years ago, I saw a movie, and I don't recommend you see it. God, but I'm just going to say it because it's, it's, it's an analogy I want to use. It happened to me. Years ago, I saw a movie called The Exorcist. Yes. I was a teenager. I was, it was the craziest thing. I should have never seen it. But it's, it's Gwen's fault. <laughs> I went to the movies to see her. She was a teenager. We were teenagers. I went with her sisters. That movie just, that was horrible. And I was home for the next two weeks. I'd sweat every night. I mean, profusely sweat. Oh, my God, something's got to be under my bed. Something's got to be in that closet. I mean, oh, it was horrible. And thank God for the word of the Lord. I had to be set free from that thing. But I, I learned there that man, man is no match for the enemy. No match. But the thing that, that the movie had wrong is that the priest had no match. No, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, people that are in the kingdom of God have more authority because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. In my school, I was having lunch as a child. And I know probably 80% of you heard it, but I don't care. It's my pulpit and I'm going to say it one more time. So I'm in school, I'm in lunch, and, and I'm eating lunch and I see something. I'm a senior now. I'm a big and bad senior. But I saw a freshman try to leave the lunchroom and there were monitors posted like this at every door. And this monitor, he was pretty tall. And, she, and so the, the, the um, freshman, his voice hadn't changed yet. So he goes up to the guy and says, let me out. <laughs> so you know what I saw? It moved me. And that, then God ministered to me through that scenario. So I saw them do this. Moved out of the way and the kid went out. But what really happened was that behind the little freshman, there was this big senior, real big dude, like about six foot four. And so the, the, the kid said, let me out. And then the senior said, yeah, he's with me. You can let him out. So apparently this guy was feared by some of the monitors. So the monitor let him out. Not because of the freshman. The freshman's little puny little thing that he could have just blown on him and he would have fallen down. But it was that big six foot four senior that was behind him that really made the difference. So then, then Jesus said, you see that? You tell the devil, devil, get out of here. Right? And then the devil goes, he leaves. You know why? Because Jesus, my elder brother, is right behind him. That's right. He's my son. He's my younger brother. And I authorize him. So it's not me on my own. It's Jesus that's with me. Never leaves me. Never forsakes me.